Greetings, Wilkinson here. Today, my guest is Alex Price. I met Alex, what, two weeks ago? A week ago? Something like that. It's felt like a lifetime. (laughs) A lifetime ago. A lifetime. Yeah, on his final night, I almost missed it. He's one of the leads in the Lincoln debate, which was, uh, I guess it premiered in Palm Springs, correct? It did. World premiere. Ah, World World premiere premiere in Palm Springs. Well, say hello to all my peeps. Hello, peeps. Good to meet you. Glad you're here. A few days ago, we had a little preliminary chat. And of course, my brain is mush. So I've forgotten half of it. But I know he has an interesting life. He's been around. uh, Let's see, there's a Tennessee and there's a China connection and there's an acting connection. All those things make so much sense together, right? (laughs) Yeah, they really do. (laughs) Yeah. Well, why don't you tell a little of your history? Why don't you pop in somewhere and just start somewhere? Where are you from? Where to even start? Uh, I'm from I'm from Middle Tennessee originally. So uh, born in Nashville and then raised in the, uh, the country down on the Alabama border. So very much raised on a farm uh, in a very, very small town and uh, stayed there until I was 17, 18, then went back to Nashville for college. And somehow in college, I fell into uh, taking some trips to China. And after college, after my four year um, in school, I ended up moving to China in a little town that nobody's ever heard of called Wuhan, China. Oh, wait, that Kind of. Have you heard Wuhan? Huh. I've heard of Wuhan. They had like, don't they have like a a bat market or something? <laughs> a wild animal market. Yeah, it's funny. Nobody ever had ever heard of Wuhan until uh, the last couple of years. Uh, so now it is very well known. But yeah, I lived there for a year after college, just taking in the culture and taking Mandarin, uh, speaking, writing, reading, all of it. Are you kidding me? Yeah, you didn't I, tell me that before. I did. And then I was also teaching English to university students. So I did that for a year. I got too skinny. I had to come home because I'm used to eating good Southern food. Uh, there are no mashed potatoes in, in China. And so I came home and then uh, got my first first uh, real job and ended up traveling to DC for my job and lived there for like the last 15 years. So I'm very much a, a boring bureaucrat by day. So what is that? What's that real job in general terms? Uh, the real job is I work for the federal government. So the US Department of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg. I and mean, that's my nine to five. And I've been doing that since 2007. And I love my job. I work in safety. It's fantastic. But coming out here to Palm Springs, I do the same job. Uh, we, we moved out to Palm Springs in 2021. So are you working remotely? Pretty Correct. Much? So now I work remotely since 2021. And my day is finished by like two o'clock in the afternoon now, um, because I work East coast hours. Ugh. So, um, so you're a morning person. So I'm very much a morning person. I've been up for like six hours now. I know you, uh. have, I know you have not, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So I just find myself finished with my day very early in the afternoon. And so I've, I've used that time to go find some other fun things to fall into. Uh. Well, before we go there, did you, have you ever met Pete? Um, Pete? Uh, No, no. So he actually took office after I'd already left. So yeah. And, and especially during COVID, nobody was really working in the building. So, um, but it's really, it's really kind of sad now to see my friends and coworkers like taking at the holiday party, taking pictures with Pete and it's Uh, sad because I can't be there. Wait, they don't bring you back? No, maybe once a year. They should be bringing you the back. Government's the government's cheap. If they don't have to pay for travel, they won't. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you have spare time after 2.30 in the afternoon. I do. A lot of spare time so now. So you said to yourself, what? So I said to myself last year, why not, uh, since I have so much time, why not uh, 
go explore voice acting because that's a thing that you could do at home, you know, if you have a home studio. And uh, so I started into that and was enjoying that for quite a while. But one of the big recommendations when you do that is to go take acting classes. And I didn't go to school for theater or for acting. So I thought, oh, that's probably a good idea. And uh, so I started taking acting classes at a new um, acting studio here in Palm Springs. And somehow that led to me being in a play, my first play since like my high school days. So it's been, it's been a couple of years and um, <laughs> just a couple of years. And so that's kind of a uh, springboard into other, other uh, projects as well. So yeah, it's, it's been kind of a crazy last couple of months. Hmm. What was your first play in life? Where'd that play at? Ooh, somewhere. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. Um, like I can remember doing like anything goes in high school and I also acted competitively. So you would do like monologues, you would travel to different schools right. and do monologues and then there would be, um, it'd be a competition. So right. certain people would win things, but that was, you know, many years ago in high school. Uh, lately the, the latest play has been the Lincoln debate, which you saw. I did. Um, did you enjoy it? I did. Yes. It was very interesting. And cool. I think a lot of people came out with different ideas after that. Yeah. That's the, <laughs> that's the goal of it, right? To, to right. kind of like peel back those facts and kind of lay it out there for you to make your own decision. But that was a very intimidating script to read for the first time for somebody that's not been on stage since they were in high school. So, um, tell, I, tell a little about the play. How's it set up? So the play is a, um, it's a, uh, an inspection of the, the couple of years, the four years that Abraham Lincoln lived with his best friend and slept with his best friend in the same bed. Um, his best friend being Joshua speed. And you are Mr. Speed. I am Joshua speed. Yep. Um, yes. The, uh, the lover, the, the, the boy toy. Um, <laughs> And uh, so it's an inspection of those four years and uh, the kind of relationship that they had and the things they might have discussed in those four years. And really, a good half of the play is just looking at the letters that were it's very much recorded, very much in history. The letters that Abraham Lincoln wrote to Joshua Speed. And unfortunately, we don't have the letters anymore that Joshua Speed wrote back for whatever reason. They were never found. But we have Abraham Lincoln's letters. And so you can see, uh, you can read a lot into what the relationship looked like from the, the way they wrote to each other. And so, yeah, it's just laying out uh, kind of how close their friendship was. And you can take away from that what you will, whether or not it was a physical relationship at any point or if it was just com completely platonic. But um, yeah, that's that's the goal of the play is to lay it all out there and you can decide. Is it okay for me to ask what your thoughts on that are? Uh, you're welcome to ask. I, so I, what are your thoughts? I think I'm allowed that? to have my own thoughts. <laughs> you know, I think it's very likely that they probably were not in any sort of physical relationship. Um, yes, they, they slept in the same bed uh, and it was a, a large double bed. I'm using air quotes, large double bed. But um you know, it, I think it's very unlikely that they had any sort of physical connection, any sexual connection. I think it's probably more likely that they were just very, very bonded. And if you've ever been in like a very strong platonic friendship, which I have before, it's kind of like a codependency that you that you create in, in, in a way. And so I feel like they probably had that. And I think they were very codependent on each other. Probably wasn't healthy. But yeah, you can see they they were with each other, helping each other work through some very difficult life events, like getting married and having sex for the first time and, and all that stuff. So I think it's probably unlikely. But who knows? Hmm. Who knows? What do you think after seeing the play? I thought the opposite of that. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I thought that the... And they got jiggy with it? Well, I think that the letters themselves... First of all, I don't know how 
Jason even memorized all that. Mm. It's, Mr. It's Abraham, hard, it's Mr. Abraham that, Lincoln. Yeah, that the the uh, the language is so difficult. <laughs> even listening to it is a little bit, but you kind of get you get the gist of it. But I don't know. It seemed pretty compelling to me. Plus, I have seen that quote unquote large rope bed. Because my folks had uh, antique shops and estate stores right. in New York for 30 they something years. They sag. Those beds they sag. They sag, and they're not really as big as a double bed today. No, they're no. like, they're a little chintzy on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were probably saving rope. Oh, they were wood. cuddling up. They were keeping warm. <laughs> we all know that. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Well, then they had those, uh, what were the outfits they that they wore back then to bed usually? Night, night? They were, uh, they were night shirts, which night were the shirts. same thing as their day shirts, but they just wore them to bed. Wow. <laughs> so they wore the same one? Uh, yeah, the same shirt, and they wore nothing underneath the shirt. How did we know that? Uh, because that was just common for the day. It was? Yeah. Now, we don't do that in the play because uh, we'd be <laughs> unintentionally flashing the entire audience, all sorts of things. You get to see some skin, but not that much skin. Well, maybe that would be a way to... Uh... Ticket like sales. Up, yeah. <laughs> because you're going to, it's going to come back in February, I think, isn't it? It is. The play is coming back next month and um, we don't have dates yet, but stay tuned. Uh, we well, will I have think dates. that would be a new and improved way to do that. Absolutely not. I mean, you're, you're both you guys are really nice looking guys. Come on. <laughs> I mean, you'll pack it out with all the gay audience here. <laughs> I know. If, if Actually, if any market is ready for that, it's Palm Springs. Right. It's definitely but Palm probably not. huh? <laughs> oh, well, well, I don't know. I've got Terry who wrote the thing coming in this coming week. Maybe, oh, I, can is talk, he? maybe I can talk him into is it. Is he? Oh, good <laughs> luck. I don't think it's going to work. The director, if you have a chance to, to talk with the director, he might be interested in hearing your thoughts on that. I think he uh, <laughs> he added a little embellishment, didn't he, to the original play? Um, Wasn't there a little scene that was embellished? Well, there's you, guys, a there you flashed a little bit. Oh, there might be a little bit of, yeah. Well, a little wasn't bit that of, his creation? A little cheeky. Yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember who that I was. I think Jason told me that, if I recall. It's funny. We um, you know, we rehearsed uh, for a few months before the play debuted. Jason and I were trying to keep everybody on their toes. So one, one day we came to rehearsal wearing jock straps, and we didn't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> and so we stripped down to do uh, one of the first scenes where we're in our underwear. And usually we're wearing briefs or like boxer briefs. Right. Um, but for the first time during rehearsal, so we're wearing uh, jock straps and we thought it'd be hilarious. It turns out we were just terrified the whole time because there's so much movement in this play that I was so worried about flashing everybody my asshole. Um, <laughs> and there's a there's a scene where uh, I jump into Jason's arms and he spins me around. And the oh. whole time I was just thinking, oh, no, my butthole is going to be. <laughs> Unfooled. So we're just clinching the whole time. We're just clinching to make sure that we're not flashing anybody unintentionally. Um, well, what so, did the what the other cast members and the others there when you showed up in the jock straps? What'd they say? Oh, well, they didn't know that we had showed up at the jock straps until well, we took the pants. Until they we took did. the pants off. So that was my question. So when you took it off and they saw, then what? There were some gasps, but uh, no, it was a good time. I mean, they'd seen plenty before, so <laughs> it wasn't that shocking. <laughs> it was just funny to know that, um, you know. When that happens, like all you're thinking about is like clenching to make sure you're not showing too much, you know, more right. than you planned. Um, so, no, I don't foresee us wearing just night shirts in this play and then possibly flashing everybody. Wow. <laughs> so I noticed that you guys, your underwear was black. Yes. Is that, was that planned? Is that wardrobe? Or that what? was a request because uh, I think I was wearing previously during rehearsals some very busy underwear and they right. said it's too busy. 
Wouldn't they it's wear all, white all we underwear can though at. back then? Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be white back then? Well, so they didn't wear underwear back then. They um, didn't. They didn't. So oh. not in the in the way that we know it now. Like their shirts would actually serve as underwear as well. Tuck it in. Supportive. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was a very different kind of setup. But um, no, they didn't wear black Calvin Klein briefs. That's for sure. I I don't know. I think we should go authentic here. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see. We'll see what happens. Okay. Were there any fun, other fun moments rehearsing or in the play? I mean, there's always something, you know, at the, at the last minute I threw in some acrobatics that I do in the play. And so that was something that was unexpected and wasn't called for in the script. But um, I think I do a, a front handspring near the beginning of the play. And that's something that I've, I did gymnastics when I was a kid. And so I've, I've been very flexible always, or I used to be very flexible. Right. And now every time I do one of those on stage and I land it, uh, everything below the, the, the waist starts hurting immediately. And then like oh, I wow. hobble off to do the rest <laughs> of the play because I'm not 15 anymore. So that's, that's my one fun fact. Um, the fact that I have to do an incredible amount of stretching before every one of those performances just to keep from hurting myself. Wow. Huh. Were there any snafus in the, in the performances? Um, I don't think there have been any big snafus so far. Um, there was one. There was one performance where I couldn't get my underwear down to flash the audience, and so I think only one of my butt cheeks came out when there should have been two cheeks. And then there was one. There was one. It was either a rehearsal or a performance where uh, Jason had to drop his pants, and I was underneath him, and he accidentally grabbed more than his pants and pulled everything down, and then it it got very uh, dicey for a second. You mean he actually flashed everything? Yeah, but I don't think it was a performance. I think it was likely a rehearsal, but he he almost pulled down more than he was supposed to pull down. <laughs> and so, again, a very dynamic play, a lot of movement. So there's a lot of that happening. Who knows? Maybe there'll be more snafus in the future. So just for people listening, the the play is not naked boys reading letters, just so you get the idea. <laughs> no, we're half <laughs> clothed. Yeah. We're half clothed. Yeah, yeah. Most, yeah. So, But it, it is fun watching it. Yeah, some people in the audience and uh, during our last performance, the one that you visited, um, right. some people in the audience had their cell phones out and they were enjoying that scene quite a bit. Oh, they actually recorded that? Apparently. I thought that wasn't allowed. Uh, apparently not. I don't know. Wow. So is it on YouTube now? Um, I, have, I refuse <laughs> to go look. If you've run across uh, it, let me know. All right. <laughs> all right. So let's talk about you personally. Oh, so you're... Uh, there's not much to talk about. I'm very boring. You have a husband. I do. Which stepping back a step means you're gay. Oh my God. You are. Did I... Is that a surprise? Well, now everybody knows. Jesus. <laughs> Was that a boring story coming out and all that? Or figuring it out. I don't know if it was boring. I, I, I mean, it's probably very similar to other people's stories, especially those that grew up in like small towns or, you know, in the Midwest and the South where there's not like a big support system for gays. I grew up without really knowing any other gays, you know, all through my school days, all through uh, college, even even college in a big city like Nashville. So there's just not quite the network down there uh, for you. So you don't really see that lifestyle. You don't see how you could live your life and picture how your life could be because you don't have anybody to look to. So um, what was the town you were in again? Uh, I grew up in a town called Winchester, Tennessee. Winchester. So it's about 90 minutes south of Nashville. So did you think to yourself, I'm the only gay in Winchester? Um, you know, there were, uh, there were other like very kind of effeminate uh, kids in school, um, but I never really fit in with them. Um, 
And they were just like one or two, not not very many. And I, I don't know what they have gone on to do. Yeah, there just wasn't much of a support system there at all. I did not know any adults that were gay. And so it wasn't until college and after college, um, seeing the world a little bit that I was like, oh, there are other gay people out here too. And so it, how old were you? Did you say I'm gay or did you say there's something different about me? Well, how did that unfold? Oh God, I don't even know how old I was. I do know that... Um, looking back like at home videos my dad was very good about videoing like everything growing up so we have like every easter every christmas like all the all the holidays and in between uh recorded um when i go back and look at those videos i was like ridiculously flamboyant i was the most flamboyant child i was like doing like during easter when i was five i was doing like pirouettes across the living room finding eggs um it was seriously yes i mean just incredibly (laughs) incredibly flamboyant i don't know how somebody didn't sit me down and say honey you're gay um and when school started, then I toned that down because I realized that in order to fit in, you can't um, act that way necessarily. So I I came to terms with um, with that sexuality probably not until my early 20s, really. Um, I went to a very private, very Christian university uh, where there was also no support system for, for the gays. And it wasn't until my early 20s where I started exploring with that. And um, actually late teens, early 20s. But um. Until I, really, I met my husband and felt comfortable at that time with coming out and telling everybody, you know, friends and family that. Right. That was How did that go with your family? Actually, very well. I come from a very liberal family, um, thankfully. And so they were very accommodating, very understanding. So uh, you mentioned the Christian school. Yeah. So that wasn't your background. No, at home, no, no, it wasn't my family background at all. So they sent you to the school. They didn't send me anywhere. Like I chose to go to the school because, you know, I went to a a pretty sizable high school. I think we had probably like 300 or 350 graduating uh, that class. And um, there were very few of us overall went to college. It was very few. But there were 13 of us going to this particular school. And all of my good friends were in a particular church. So they all wanted to go to this same school in Asheville that was affiliated with that church. And so I thought, Oh, well, I I don't want to be left behind. Take me with you. And so I went with them to this very religious, very strict school. And so, yeah, it wasn't until my early twenties where I really kind of came to terms with that and and decided to come out. And your family was okay when you told them family was perfectly fine. It was more probably coming to terms with myself. That was probably the hardest thing. Uh, Friends were surprised, surprisingly surprised. It turns out one of my dearest friends growing up was also gay and he decided to come out a few years later. We even like shared a room in, in college. Like we grew, really grew up together, but um, not knowing you were you were each gay, but not willing to uh, actually voice it in any way. Yeah. Well. Wow. Yeah. So that's just kind of uh, where we're from. You know, it's very right. private. It's accepted in some circles a lot better than it is in some others. And so, right. Yeah. I think I, thankfully my family was very understanding, and I had a very good experience with them. Hmm. Yeah. So why China? Oh God, why China? <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I went to a very Christian university. Um, in freshman year, they started taking applications for what do they call mission trips, okay. mission trips. And I thought, oh, that sounds awful because usually you go to like Cancun or like you go to somewhere like Guadalajara. I don't know. You go to all these places that sound not terribly fun to do that work. 
And then there was a new option for China. And I thought, oh, here I am like a little, you know, uh, a little farm town boy. That's the most ridiculous place somebody can go is China. Like I told my friends, I was like, I'm going to go on the China trip. And they said, you are not going to China. I said, yes, I am. So I raised that money and I got that that plane ticket to China. And uh, we spent like a month there. Did you go with any of your other people you knew, your friends or no? Um, No, it was um, all strangers. But there were other students. There were like five or six of us. And we went to the same town, Wuhan, China. And we stayed there for a month and we taught university professors at that time. And so that's who we were teaching. And so I did that for two. Were you teaching them English? Yes. Okay. Yes. And they know they know English, but like conversationally and kind of advanced, uh, that's what they need practice in or that's what they needed practice in. And so we did that for like two different summers. And one of the summers got canceled because of um, SARS or one of the other airborne diseases right. where they closed everything down. But yeah, I gained enough contacts from doing that for a couple of summers that once college was over and I'd worked all through college. So either like working at the grocery store or interning or something like that, that I was tired and not wanting to go right into the workforce. And so I said, I'm moving to China. And so I just moved there. Well, so let's back up to when you were there. So you're the school is the one that was doing the mission, quote unquote mission. Correct. Trips, right. Correct. So were they, and they were teaching English. Yes. Were they trying to convert? the Chinese people as well or what? I mean, that's kind of always the goal of, of those kind of trips. It's to kind of create a fellowship environment with those that are willing to do so. And then, kind of being that support network for them. So it wasn't like we weren't taking people down to the river and dunking them in it. Um, <laughs> there wasn't any of that going on necessarily, but we were holding like a church service on Sundays and uh, like a Bible study. And um, did you participate in that? Oh uh, yeah. I mean, I kind of had to being part of the, uh, yeah. the mission group, you know, that's not something that I've carried on in life after college, but right. you know, it's something that I entertained during college. And did you believe any of it? Oh, I don't know. It's kind of a hard, it's kind of hard to say. I would say that I'm still Protestant. I'm not a practicing uh, church going guy, but yeah, I'm I'm not quite sure. I should be more introspective there and figure that out someday. It's on the list. Okay. I haven't figured it out yet. That's an interesting journey. (laughs) It is. It is. Um, And it was a good experience and I'm glad that I did it, but uh, I don't miss uh, having to go to to church on Sunday morning. Right. Okay. So you're, you want your break. You go back to China. Now we'll pick up there again. So So you go back. So I go back, I go back a few times. And then uh, after graduation, I said, F it, I'm moving there because I knew had some contacts. And so I said, you know, they pay their English teachers very well. I can go do that for a year. And um, instead of coming back to to a a regular nine to five job uh, for the first time. And so I did that for a year and I took 16 hours a week of Mandarin. And so I had like three different professors that would teach me various aspects of Mandarin every week. And then I would have my classes. So my university classes where I'd have to teach English. And so that was my, that was a year. And, um, Thankfully, because they, you are paid well, you get a lot of vacation time as well. And so I was able to travel the country. I got to see all the sites, got to do some real backpacking and like sleeping on people's floors. And it was cool. a good experience for somebody that's 21, 22 years old. Hmm. How's the food there? Delicious. So you like so you much like better it. than Chinese food here. Oh my gosh. So it's not American Chinese. No, it's like <laughs> real Chinese and it's just phenomenal. They put MSG in everything, so it depends on how you handle MSG. Oh, so they do over there? Oh, God, yeah, it's a staple. Oh, I thought they just did that here. No, it's a staple over there. Yeah, they put it in everything. 
But uh, the food there is just so uh, flavorful in a way that we don't get over here. Mm. I do miss that to some degree. Yeah. I will I will say I don't miss living there, though, e- even though I was only there for a year the last time. It's a very hard life. Like, they just don't have a lot of the accommodations and a lot of the ease of use to get around like we do in the States. And so, like, every day, if you wanted to go to class, you'd have to take, like, three different buses to get to a particular class. There'd be a lot of walking it's just not as comfortable a life there as it is here. So that was an interesting uh, perspective that I could gain over that year. So while it was, I enjoyed it, I'm not going to be moving back there anytime soon. Hmm. So considering that almost everything we have is made in China now, that money's not filtering down then is what you're saying. I think it's probably, I mean, it's been a good 20 years since I've been there now. And so they have, they have seen a lot of change over that 20 year period. I'd like to go back and visit. We actually had a trip planned for this last fall and we ended up canceling it because they were closing down. They had their pretty strict COVID policy in place. Yeah. Yeah, So we ended up canceling, but um, I would love the opportunity to go go back and see how it has changed because there's been so much investment uh, over the last 20 years and um, uh, a real burgeoning middle class. And so I'd love to see how that's changed. But to go back to a city like Hong Kong or Shanghai, those are just fabulous destinations. Amazing. Right. Yes. I imagine a lot's changed in 20 years. Oh, I would imagine. I would hope so. What's your husband's name? Jonathan. Where'd you meet him? Uh, At the Cheesecake Factory. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Not Chuck E. Cheese's? Not Chuck E. Cheese. We were not that young. (laughs) We were pretty close. Uh, No, we were in our early 20s, and we met on Match.com. So this before there were like apps on the phone. We didn't have smartphones yet. Um, It was right before the smartphones hit. And so we met on Match.com, and then it took off. Like, I think like two months later, we were living together. It was awful. Wait, so you met on Match.com and went on a first date? At the Cheesecake Factory. Correct. Yes. And he, uh, he was a very good first date because he's a very, he's very different than I am. We're very different people, very different backgrounds. He comes from New York, but he had quite a few stories of his time living in DC, like, uh, going to graduate school, especially like housing stories. And he, he told me the story of where he lived in a house with deaf lesbians. It was a very bad situation. And, and he ended up getting evicted from this house along with the lesbians because they were having parties. They were like marijuana fueled parties. And in order to to hear sound or feel sound, they would like stomp their feet. And apparently there was like an, it was an apartment. And so there Uh-oh. were other people living in the apartment. <laughs> and he comes home one day uh, to an eviction notice. And <laughs> oh, my. And there were all these other uh, oddball stories related to that as well. And so it was a, a very good first date. He, he wrote me in. He's a weird guy. Wow. Yeah. How long ago did you meet? I think this, this is year 16. 16. Yeah, cool. Year 16. I'm pretty good at math. I think that's that's 43 years in straight years married. <laughs> God, it feels like it. God, it feels like it. Are you guys married or partnered? Uh, we are married. Yes. Huh. What we year did married. that happen? Um, what year did that happen? It wasn't a big event. It was like 2017, maybe. Okay. So recently. And we were domestically partnered before that. So okay. it was like a paperwork thing. Huh. Yeah. Not a big deal. So what do you like about Jonathan? What do I like about Jonathan? He's very studious. He's very polite. He's very well-mannered. Wait, wait, wait. You said he's from New York City? Uh, he's from uh, the the Burbs, Westchester. Okay. 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 Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Because New York City, <laughs> and he's very polite. I'm going, hmm. No. No, he's very polite. Um, but yeah, he's very much from the suburbs of, of New York. I used to work in Westchester County. No, really? Yeah. Terrytown House. I was just there for Christmas. Yeah. It's very cold there. It's Not recommended. Cold. I know. Not recommended. Yeah. Well, the whole New York thing. Eh. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's it's fine when you're young. I, don't, I wouldn't want to be there now. But yeah, he's a, a very uh, different individual than I am. And so it's kind of an opposites of track thing. Yeah. What brought you to Palm Springs? Oh, boy. We had been... Um, we actually lucked out. We, the first... A house that we bought in DC, we uh, became friends with some neighbors that lived across the street and they were fabulous neighbors and they got tired of living on the East coast and they had a condo here already. And so they said, screw it. We're moving there full time. And we were like, where are you moving full time? And they said, it's Palm Springs. And we said, well, where is that? And so they moved here full time and have this beautiful home in Indian Canyon. So as soon as they built their house here, we started visiting twice a year. And then we went, oh, Mm. oh, we get it. This makes sense. And so, um, yeah, we were just coming here twice, at least twice a year uh, since 2013. And so exploring the the real estate market to see what that looked like. And this was, this was actually for the longest time, a pretty affordable place. And so come 2021, my partner took a, uh, a job that required that we live somewhere in the West coast, like any of the States out here, we could move to just pick one, pick one, yeah. any, any state. And so we were like, well, we don't know the West Coast. We only know Palm Springs. So we moved to Palm Springs. And uh, I was ready to quit my job with the government. But then they said, oh, maybe you could just keep doing your job out there. And so I just brought my job uh, out here to Palm Springs. And here we are. So we packed up the car. We packed up the dogs, sold the house, and drove out here. So when you were in D.C., you weren't you weren't working from home at that point? Oh, no, we had been working for, from home because uh, it was very much COVID. We'd been at home for almost right. a year. Um, so it didn't occur to you, maybe I could do it out here? It's a big change for any employer to allow people to move away and continue doing their job. And for the government, like for the government to do anything, it's a big deal. <laughs> and for them to say, okay, you know, we would rather retain you and do your job from a different time zone than lose you. That was a really big deal. And so I was kind of one of the first that got one of those arrangements. So I was very lucky. And now it's more commonplace. And so now I can hire people that are other other places in the country as well. So it's a good thing. Um, but yeah, uh, that that was what happened. We just packed up the car and drove out here. And then, then, of course, the real estate market changed very, very much. And suddenly it was not as affordable as it used to be years ago. So did you get in under the wire or no? Um, we got in before the interest rates took off, but okay. it was, um, we, so the we, prices were up, we were buying in the spring of 2021. And so Oops. there was, there was no inventory. Things were going like multiple bidders, you know, way over asking. And so it was a very different dynamic than what we were hoping for, but you did snag one. We did snag one. Yeah. We, yeah. we got a fabulous house. We love our house. You know, I will say as, as bad as it was to buy a house here, like selling our home in DC, that was phenomenal because we, we had like four offers before it ever even hit the market and they were all well over asking. Oh, so, really? Yeah. So, um, that was a, a good experience, but we, it came back to bite us. I mean, the ideal situation is sell there like that and then buy here after it crashes. Right. <laughs> but right. Timing. Yeah, and we just we don't like being in a in a rental situation, right. so it's just never something that we're very comfortable with long term. So right. we got a six month rental and only stayed there like two months and paid out the rest of it just to get really? out. Yeah, just to get out. That's when you got your house. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we got it pretty quickly. So you have the two sides of you. So you have your government side and your creative. My daytime side yeah. and then my nighttime <laughs> side. So what's coming up on the horizon for you on your creative side? Creative side is um. 
you know, uh, a lot of a lot of opportunity, which is exciting. So trying to explore some of the acting stuff. I've done some filming and some some, some projects in LA. Also doing the voice acting stuff. That's um, that's kind of wrapping up at this point for all the materials and the demos that you have produced. So those of us who <laughs> don't know what voice acting might be, what what do you do exactly? So um, voice acting can be a, a number of things. It can be training videos. It can be reading audiobooks. It can be okay. um, every commercial that you hear on TV where there's somebody talking over what's happening on the screen. It could be video games. It can be the operator when you're calling a business and you're having to you know, press one or press seven telling you what to do. So it can be any number of things. But uh, yeah, it's it's all acting, but just using your voice. So you're in your own home studio for the most part and directing yourself. I think I could do something like that. I don't know. Do you, I, I, do you know how to use a microphone? Well, not really, but you know what? I can tell you what I've been doing. So I'm downtown with my friends uh -huh. and we were standing on the street corner uh -huh. and I pushed that little button and then I yelled at them, wait, wait. <laughs> That's voice acting. That's voice acting. That is voice yeah. acting. Yeah. So it's it's actually uh -huh. everywhere. And, and not until I really got into it did I realize like, oh, this is actually something that everybody's exposed to so much and you don't, you don't even think about it. How'd you get into that? I wouldn't have even thought of it. I, I didn't think of it either. Honestly, I saw, you know, that little email that goes out every day, the, the Palm Springs post. Do you get that? I don't think so. Maybe I should. You should get that. Uh, it's a phenomenal little email telling you what's going on in the in Palm Springs for the day and the week. But there was some uh, company that was coming and doing a, uh, a seminar for voice acting. And so they have you go and then you record something with them and they have you sit through this educational piece. And, um, of course they want you to sign up. So you get a coach and they get you a home studio set up and then you do that coaching for a few months and then, so you pay them to coach you. Oh, of course. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I had a phenomenal coach. He was a New York based guy and uh, a really very successful guy, um, who was like doing Monday night, uh, football, uh, voiceovers and whatnot. So like wow. big, like, you know, big guy doing yeah. really cool stuff. And um, it was a very, very good experience. And so that led to the acting stuff that led to where I am today with the Lincoln debate. And then I have another project, another play that's premiering next month as well for Desert Theater Works in Indio. So that's something that's uh, very exciting. What's that going to be? That is something called The Mousetrap. It's a very old Agatha right. Christie play. And it takes place in the early 50s in a, in a mansion in Europe. And, and you're the mouse, right? I am not the mouse. <laughs> I played Giles, the very straight-laced heterosexual uh, innkeeper. And so it's... How are you going to pull that off? I don't pull know. Acting. It's going to be a stretch. <laughs> it's going to be a stretch. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, a very different thing for me. I have to use a British accent, so I have to polish that up. Because we don't use a lot of British accents in Tennessee. And uh, so yeah, just exploring that. That's taking up a lot of time, but it's a whole lot of fun. I forgot how, how fun it is to be on stage. Huh. What do you like about it? I like that it's... It's something that I find grossly uncomfortable and uh, makes me sweaty and it makes me nervous. So and, it's pushing uh, your limits. It pushes me in a okay. way that I'm not used to pushing myself. And so I, I find that uncomfortableness really exciting. It's a little exhilarating getting up there. Really? Yeah. Plus, maybe you get to drop your pants or something. As long as I don't <laughs> drop too much. Right. As long as I don't get too exhilarated. Right. Uh, <laughs> so when is that going to... Uh, happen uh so the second play the mousetrap is um premiering next month in february in indio so uh, we could put links in the notes to sure. desert theater works if anybody wants to buy tickets for that of course and uh of course the lincoln debate is going to pick up again next month at the cultural center here in Wait, palm no, springs that's, next month is february and yes. both of those so how does that work i don't know i don't know because we'll see it's gonna, it's gonna be a busy month but I'm you think you can make it work i don't know we'll see it's gonna be exciting 
I'm going to look very sleep deprived. Well, I hope you don't have to choose between the two. <laughs> no, I don't have to choose. It'll be it, fine. It'll work out. Yeah. I think the Lincoln debate will be like a once a week event. So okay. that'll be into the future. So, um, we're very excited about that to bring that back. It got a great reception, uh, those first six performances. So we can't wait to bring it back. I think Terry's for other one, well, not his first, but another one was what is it? Electricity or something mm-hmm. like that. Correct. And I think they did that like on a weekly basis or something. I, I think I'm yep. not sure. Yep. I um, missed it. I wish I would have seen that, but I know I missed it also. It was before I moved here, I think. So maybe they I can th- do it for us. I think they're going to bring it back also. Seriously? I think so. Oh, cool. Yeah. So we'll see, but no, very, very busy all of a sudden. So it's a, a weird time for me, but good time, a good time. Sounds yes. really exciting. A very uncomfortable, exhilarating, right. good time. You know, a lot of times on these podcasts, it, I mean, I'm, you haven't said it, but I'm thinking it. And one of my recent ones, they were talking about it. It's almost like the universe is just putting these little things together for you. Maybe. Listening, listening to you. Possibly. I feel like yeah. I'm not in control of it at all. Right. I mean, all. this happens. And they, I mean, yeah. you listen to this, you went to that, you saw that, this yeah. happened, da, da, da. Yeah, yeah. Huh. And it, it's all come together very, very quickly. And it's strange. Um, but yeah, I feel like I'm not in the driver's seat. So I'm just here for the ride. Huh. Whatever happens next, happens next. <laughs> so do you have any uh, life lessons you've learned or anything you go by that you could share with my peeps? I always end with that. Oh, a life lesson? Just something you you go by. Um, not related to, to anything that I do now necessarily, but I would say, um, especially to any of your younger listeners, you know, work on uh, accepting yourself and loving yourself as early on as you can in life because like your life doesn't get better until you actually start doing that, until you start really appreciating who you are and, and accepting that does life begin. And so I wish that I'd figured that out a lot sooner. I was, I was plagued with um, uh, self-doubt and uh, self-criticism for so long. And I feel like I wish I had been able to, to brush that away, especially in my teens. And, and thankfully, I figured it out later in life. But the sooner you can do that, the, the, the better you are off. So that's what I would recommend. Excellent advice. Yeah. Hey, thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed this. It was really fun today. Thank you. You're a good guy. <laughs> See you at the Lincoln debate next month. Yes, sir. <laughs>